We're going to go to Isaiah chapter 52, if you'd find that, and then if you'll find Acts chapter 8 uh, for later on, we'll go down over there in just a little while, but Isaiah 52 is where we'll begin our reading, and then if you'll find Acts chapter 8, uh, where we can all get over there later together, Isaiah 52 is where we're initially going to read. And we're going to get on into Acts, uh, I'm sorry, Isaiah 53 just a little bit um, as we continue on talking about the scarlet thread that goes through our Bible. I'm thankful for the blood of Jesus Christ. I'm thankful He came and shed His blood for the sin of mankind and that we can know Him in the free pardon of sin. What a great blessing. What a great, great blessing. So, Isaiah 52, look down at verse number 7, if you will. Isaiah 52, verse 7. The Bible says, How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him that bringeth good tidings, that publisheth peace, that bringeth good tidings of good, that publisheth salvation, that saith unto Zion, Thy God reigneth. Thy watchmen shall lift up the voice, with the voice together shall they sing, for they shall see eye to eye, when the Lord shall bring again Zion. Break forth into joy, sing together, ye waste places of Jerusalem, for the Lord hath comforted his people, he hath redeemed Jerusalem. The Lord hath made bare his holy arm in the eyes of all the nations, and all the ends of the earth <clears throat> shall see the salvation of our God. Depart ye, depart ye, go ye out from thence, Touch no unclean thing, go ye out of the midst of her. Be ye clean, that bear the vessels of the Lord. For ye shall not go out with haste, nor go by flight. For the Lord will go before you, and the God of Israel shall be your re-reward. Behold, my servant shall deal prudently. He shall be exalted and extolled, and be very high. As many were astonished, astonished at thee. His visage was so marred more than any man, and his form more than the sons of men. So shall he sprinkle many nations. The king shall shut their mouths at him, for that which had not been, uh, for that which had not been told them, shall they see, and that which they had not heard, shall they consider. Uh, I titled the message the good the good messenger. Who suffered for us? You can be seated. We've prayed. You can be seated. We'll get right on into the message. 650 years before the birth of Jesus, the prophet Isaiah foretold of a messenger who would come to Jerusalem uh, bearing the glad tidings of its Redeemer. And uh, for centuries, Isaiah's prophecy brought both hope and uncertainty for the Jewish people. Uh, their hope was found in a part of the prophecy that pointed to the coming of the Messiah, their, their coming king. And during the exile years that followed the fall of Jerusalem in 586 B.C., and through the centuries of which their nation and its capital were ruled by the Gentile powers of Greece and, and Rome, uh, the Jewish people truly longed for the day when the Messiah would show his power and deliver them from their oppressors. The part that troubled them was the part of the prophecy that described the suffering and the rejection 
of the coming Messiah. They, didn't, they just couldn't see how that would be true. Neither could they understand its importance. And really until this very day, much of the prophecy remains a mystery to the Jews. So one day they will understand, but right now many of them don't. But this prophecy, uh, it provides an important link in the scarlet thread of atonement that weaves its way through our scriptures. It speaks of a chosen messenger, and though uh, despised and rejected, would bring salvation uh, to the Jews. And by examining closely what Isaiah had to say, it really should be clear who this messenger is and why he suffered as he did. Because it speaks of how he was marred. We read it there. He came bearing the good news uh, for Zion, for for Jerusalem. He announced the beginning of the kingdom of God there in in, uh, verse number 7, how beautiful, beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him that bringeth good tidings and publisheth peace, and that bringeth good tidings of good, that publisheth salvation, that saith unto Zion, Thy God reigneth. And he announced the redemption of Jerusalem in verse number 9. Break forth into joy, sing together, ye waste places of Jerusalem, for the Lord hath comforted His people. He hath redeemed Jerusalem. And then he announced to the whole world uh, that the whole world would see the salvation of of God in verse number 10 there. The Lord hath made bare His holy arm in the eyes of all the nations, and all the ends of the earth shall see the salvation of our God. Uh, and we know this, the, this messenger would be a servant of the Lord, be the servant of the Lord. Look at verse 13 there. Behold, my servant shall deal prudently, his servant. So, so it's the servant of the Lord. And this messenger, his mission... Uh, for the Lord would be successful. It'd be successful. The word prudent there that we have, it, it means to act with intelligence. It means to act with care. And the business of one who deals prudently, uh, I mean, is usually profitable. It's usually successful. Uh, and he would be enthroned. And he would be praised. Uh, verse number 13. <clears throat> excuse me. Behold, my servant shall deal prudently he shall be exalted and extolled and be very high. And that's another indication of the messenger's success. He is lifted up on high. He's exalted. And men enthusiastically sing his praises. And the Jews identified this servant as the Messiah, the one who would sit upon the throne of David, the one who would deliver the people of God and and thus be the object of their worship and be the object of their praise. And then it's like it kind of flips the switch and starts talking about how the messenger would suffer greatly. Verse number 14, as many were astonished at thee, his visage was so marred more than any man, and, and, uh, and his form more than the sons of men. So it tells how his... his uh, it tells how his appearance would be disfigured, marred, that those that uh, would see him would be astonished. That word there basically means, a Hebrew word means turned to stone. I mean, they'd just be set back, It'd be hard to believe, unable to move, unable to speak. <clears throat> I get frustrated at a lot of things, but 
I certainly get frustrated every time I see a quote-unquote picture of Jesus hanging on the cross. Because that little fellow with the long hair, with the blood running down here and there, was not my Savior. Because the Bible explains that by the time they hung him on the cross, you could barely, you could scarcely tell he was a man because he had been beaten so badly, so horribly. His visage was marred. I mean, I mean, just amazing. His suffering, his suffering was beyond our comprehension. We can't even begin to understand what all he went through. I know some years back that movie came out, the the suffering of Christ, the trial of Christ. What was the name of that movie? It doesn't matter anyway. Yeah, the passion of Christ. That's what it was. And people were saying, oh, did you see that? Boy, they really portrayed that good. No, they didn't. Oh, I'll go ahead and say it again. No, they didn't. And I don't care if you saw it or not. We, I, we never watched it. And I don't care if you saw it or not. It doesn't make any difference to me whether or not you watched it. But I'm telling you, whoever that actor was, he wasn't beginning to look like Jesus was when they hung him on the cross. Because he had been beaten so badly, so horribly, so, so badly. I think sometimes we, sometime we miss thinking about that along the way. When we think about our salvation and the price that was paid. Well, bro, preacher, the, the blood was shed. Yes, it was. It was horribly shed. It was shed at the whipping post. It was shed all down the streets of, of, of Jerusalem. It was shed as they laid him on the cross. It was shed as he hung there. Oh, yeah, absolutely so. He shed his blood. He sure did. But I'm telling you, they beat him so horribly and so bad and pulled his beard out and whipped him. I mean, good grief. I'm telling you, I I believe that if we could see a picture of that, that we'd be astonished too. I think we'd be like stone. Like, you got to be kidding me. He went through all of that. He suffered for us, no doubt. But it also says that his suffering is going to be known to many nations, causing kings to even consider this messenger and his message. Verse number 15, so shall he sprinkle many nations. The kings shall shut their mouths at him, for that which had not been told them shall they see, and that which they had not heard shall they consider. This, This prophecy, this part of this prophecy is written in verse. What what do you mean, preacher? It's It's poetry. Isaiah uh, 52 verses 7 through 13 uh, forms one stanza. And then Isaiah 53, as we get on into that, begins a new stanza, but they're part of the same poem. And that's one of the reasons that we know that it continues to describe the ministry of this messenger that's, intro- uh, that's introduced in a preceding chapter. It explains, it, come on brain, it explains how the messenger was marred and what his suffering accomplished through all of that. Excuse me, because it begins to tell about how he was rejected. Look at chapter 53, verse 1. Who hath believed our report? <clears throat> Many who consider this messenger will not believe what is reported of him. In fact, that introductory who right there, is spoken with astonishment, the way that it's written in Hebrew. It's spoken with astonishment, as if somebody was asking the question, uh, that the the person asking the question is is amazed that so few have believed. Who had believed the report? And it's so sad because of their unbelief, they'll not see the mighty works of salvation accomplished by the Lord. And His credentials will uh, will be looked upon with Contempt, verse number 2, for he shall grow up before him 
as a tender plant, as the root, as a root out of a dry ground. He had no form nor comeliness. And when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. <clears throat> what that's saying there is he's going to look weak in their eyes. Like a tender plant is what it says. Instead of a mighty warrior who can lead them to victory. Oh, come on. I mean, it's like, who's that guy? Well, he doesn't look any different than any of us. No, no, no. It's, it's not like he walked around with this big shiny halo on him. He, he was just a man. He was a man's man, but he, he was just a man. There wasn't anything special about him. His, 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 birth, will, uh, his birth will appear questionable. Well, where do you see that? It says a root out of dry ground. So it's more like something, listen to me please, it's more like something that has sprung up in an unlikely place than some carefully cultivated and prepared servant of the Lord. Oh, no, 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 come on. They were expecting the Messiah to come to be born in a palace. Oh, oh come on, to have all these riches and glory. They didn't expect Him to be born in a stable. They didn't expect Him to be laid in a manger. They didn't expect Him to come as a lowly servant. They didn't expect that whatsoever. No, 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 not whatsoever. And He will be better acquainted with sorrow and suffering than triumph and deliverance. Come on, remember, it's an announcement of the Messiah. Look at verse number 3. He is despised and rejected of men. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. As, and, and we hid, as it were, our faces from Him. He was despised, and we esteemed Him not. <clears throat> I know you've thought about it before, as you've read this before, but really, these are not descriptions normally associated with a great and powerful king. We're not thinking like that. They are more fitting for a lowly servant. And that's one reason why the Jews found this prophecy so confusing. I mean, the two images seemed impossible to reconcile together with their Messiah. But it goes on to tell how he suffered. What happened? Look at verse number 5 there. Uh, it says, But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and, and with his stripes we are healed. Yeah, amen. I'm, I'm with you. <laughs> I, I'm telling you, in, 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 in concise but very revealing terms in this, Isaiah's prophecy describes really five distinct ways this messenger was going to suffer. How he suffered for others. Uh, it says he suffered for our griefs and our sorrows and our transgressions. But it also said that he suffered uh, physically. He was stricken. He was afflicted. He was wounded. He was bruised. He had some stripes laid on him. And he suffered, we need never forget this, for our sins. For our sins. Okay, verse number 6. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. And the, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of, his all, of us all. He suffered for our sin. And he not only suffered, but he uh, died. Look at verse number 8. 
<clears throat> excuse me. He was taken from prison and from judgment, and who shall declare this his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living, for the transgression of my people was he stricken. And he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, because he had done no violence, neither was there any deceit in his mouth. He suffered and died for us, but he suffered innocently. I'm sure you noticed there the last part of verse number 9, where it said, because he had done no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth. Here's the truth. Here's the truth of everything, truly. He got what we deserved. It's fact. He got what, what we deserved. So the messenger of this prophecy was marred through a violent and brutal mistreatment. Um, he, he did not deserve what happened to him. He suffered in the place of others. So, so why? why? Why did this happen? I mean, what, what, what was it uh, that this accomplished? Well, the messenger was our Savior. Look at verse number 10. Come on, we're moving along great tonight. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see of the travail of his soul, and shall be satisfied by his knowledge. Shall, shall my righteous servant justify many, and he shall bear their iniquities. <clears throat> in those verses, the prophecy returns to the theme of redemption and, and salvation that was introduced over in uh, chapter 52, verse 9 and 10. The glad tidings of deliverance announced the messenger was accomplished, uh, uh, announced by the messenger was accomplished through the sacrifice of himself. The sacrifice of himself. He sacrificed his life as an offering of sin. Now, now get this, please, please, please. And it pleased God for His people to be saved in this way. Have you ever just sat and pondered about when Jesus was on the cross and cried out, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? That, that was when all of your sin and all of my sin was laid upon our Savior. And not just yours and mine, which would be plenty. Somebody say amen. It would. But the sin of the whole world was laid upon Him. And it pleased God that we would be saved that way. We don't have any sons. We have two daughters. 
I'm not sure I would sacrifice either one of my children for you for any reason. But the Lord saw fit to sacrifice His only begotten Son. And and it pleased Him that we would be saved that way. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, these are things we should chew on sometime. Okay. I I really believe that uh, much of the time we take our salvation way too lightly. Way too lightly. And we really don't, we don't think upon, meditate on the price that was paid. That, that, we, that our sin could be forgiven. I mean, just push out the fact for a second that we get to spend eternity in heaven. And I'm looking forward to that when the time comes. What a wonderful thing. But no, 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 no. He did that so our sin could be forgiven. What a wonderful thought. That we could have new life. Eternal life. God allowed His only begotten Son to go through what He went through. So that we could be saved from the awful penalty of sin. Somebody asked me before service, hey, Pastor, you have something for us tonight? I'm telling you, if if this doesn't overwhelm you at times, no, no, just this fact, if it doesn't overwhelm you at times, I would encourage you to sit and ponder on it. I mean, no, no, just sit someplace and quiet sometime. Lord, and, and just ponder on the price that was paid, that we might be saved by the grace of God, that we might not lose the wonder of our salvation, and all that God did for us so that we could be sitting in this place forgiven tonight. Absolutely forgiven for every sin we've ever committed. God had a plan before the world began. He knew you before the world began. And He allowed His Son to do this and it pleased God for His people to be saved this way. God saw His suffering and He was satisfied with the sacrifice. And by means of His sacrifice, many could be justified. He died as a substitute. He bare their iniquities and was punished in their place. He became a mediator. He was counted as a transgressor so that he might intercede for their forgiveness. Oh, mercy, son. 
Somebody said, well, who is this marred, rejected, suffering, saving messenger who brings the good news to Israel? Turn over to Acts chapter 8. Come on, stay with me. We're, we're, we're so close to done. You don't believe it, but we are. I love it. Acts chapter 8. And uh, look with me to uh, verse number 27. <clears throat> Acts chapter 8 and verse number 27. The Bible says, And he arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, an eunuch of great authority under Candace, queen of of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasure, and had come to Jerusalem for to worship, was returning and sitting in his chariot, read Isaiah the prophet, Then the Spirit said to Philip, Go near and join thyself to this chariot. And Philip ran thither to him and heard him read the prophet Isaiah and said, Understandest uh, understandest thou what thou readest? Excuse me. And he said, Well, how can I? Except some man should guide me. And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. The place of the scripture which he read was this, He was led as a sheep to slaughter, and like a lamb dumb before his shearer, So opened he not his mouth. In his humiliation, his judgment was taken away. And who shall declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. And the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee, of whom speaketh the the prophet this? Of himself or of some other man? Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. Who else could it be but Jesus? Jesus came preaching the gospel of the kingdom, calling for repentance and faith. Mark chapter 1 verse 14 says, Now after that John was put in prison, Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and saying, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye and believe the gospel. And his his message was rejected and despised much like it still is today. Truly. Truly. John chapter 1 verse 11 says, He came unto His own, and His own received Him not. And He suffered and died for our sins on the cross of Calvary. We know that the Bible tells the story of sin, suffering, and death, and judgment. And that would be, please listen, I'm right at the end. If that would be the only story, if that would be the only story it could tell if God had not provided us with a Savior. The the scarlet thread of atonement that begins in Genesis chapter 3 runs all the way through the Scripture, and it always takes us to Jesus every time. Takes us to Him. Acts chapter 4 and verse 12 says, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name uh, under heaven uh, uh, given among men, whereby we must be saved. The name of Jesus. 
First John chapter uh, 4, verse 10 says, Herein is love, not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Verse 14, And we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. <clears throat> we know that Isaiah's prophecy of this messenger who suffered for the sins of others really clearly very clearly points us to the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. And so accurate is the depiction of the suffering and the triumph of Calvary in those verses that it's really impossible to apply them to any historical uh, figure other than Christ or any historical event other than His crucifixion. One of the benefits of Isaiah's prophecy is that it reveals that His death was God's method of redemption because God was satisfied with the offering He made and the shedding of blood. Sinners can be made one at one with God again. That was prophesied a long time before Jesus came. God was faithful to keep His promise of the coming Messiah. And although many Jews are still waiting for His coming, aren't you glad that He's revealed Himself to us? That we might partake of this wonderful salvation that He offers us. It truly is amazing. The good messenger was prophesied that He would come and suffer for you and me. That we might be forgiven of our sin and be the children of God. I think it's only right that we would live our life for God, that we would uh, be in our Bibles, that we would pray, that we would do the things that God would have us to do. We certainly need to listen to God as He speaks to our hearts about any sin that's in our life, that we'd make that right. And and uh, do the things uh, in, a, in a right manner, have our sins forgiven, be in good standing with God. Uh, I tell you what I think would help that every once in a while, just sitting and thinking about the price that was paid so that you could be saved by the grace of God. Just ponder on it for a while. And think about how terrible it was, everything he went through. And think about this, and it's not just, it's, it's not just a cliche, it's not just a song I'm telling you, when he hung there with the sin of the, of the world on him, he was thinking about you. He was thinking about you. He knew that if he didn't do what he did, that you'd have no chance whatsoever of ever making it to heaven, that you would spend eternity in hell. And he was God the Son. Come on, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. He was the Son of God, God the Son. All-powerful. He could have decided, I'm just going to wipe this bunch out, go back to heaven, we'll start over. No, he could have decided that. But he wanted to fulfill the Father's will. That should give us great uh, reason to fulfill the Father's will also when we think of what He has done for us. Let's all stand. Stand with me, please.
<clears throat> our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Piano player is going to come. Father, bless this time. Help us to be thankful for our salvation today. Thankful for the price that was paid for it. Thankful that we uh, that are saved are standing here in a free pardon of sin. You are our heavenly Father because of your choice to send a messenger to pay the price for us. Lord, as we open up the altar, I pray that people would just come. Thank you for what you've done. Thank your Son for his willingness to fulfill your will. And thank you for the new life that you've given. Help us to be mindful just for a few minutes here about how good you've been to us. To think about where we would be if it was not for you. And Lord, not to take lightly the price that was paid. Oh, dear God, help us, please. We pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. The altar is open. Many have come. Why not take a minute to thank the Lord for what He did for you and what He's done for you and what He's doing for you to just bow a knee and thank Him for being such a good, gracious God to thank the Savior for His willingness to pay the price and suffer the way that He suffered so that we can have this new life. We'll not take long. You let God have His way.